allegedly said that you left him in a bloody pope. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. you was high. It said that uh, y'all was on his private jet or something like that. Yo. Whoa. Yeah, that was pretty serious. When I fought Hatton, I knocked Hatton out with 10 ounce gloves on, stepping back when he was undefeated. It's my back. What do you mean by that? You my back is broken. What, uh, a vertebrae or, or what uh, portion? Spinal. You went out with Floyd Mayweather yesterday in London. What did you do? I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't go. I was at home, man. You're trying to bait me up or what? Shut that soft ass shit up. All that soft talking. I know you can do it, man. You got the, you got the. But shut that soft ass shit up. Man. You ain't with me. And welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where you can be 50 and 0 and get to hang out with Kanye, Madonna, Antonio Brown, and Julia Fox. No idea who Julia Fox is, although, side note, I went to school with a girl called Julia Fox. Uh, I think she might have been the year above me or two years above me. And she played rugby league for Great Britain. Yeah. Of all, of all the things to take pride in at that age. But that's the only Julia Fox I know. So if anyone knows a Julia Fox, reasonably tall, brown hair, yeah, that's probably her that we're talking about. But I bring up the Floyd Mayweather thing because it, it dawned on me that those photographs of Floyd, Kanye, Madonna, Julia Fox, Antonio Brown, and whoever else was involved in that, that shows Floyd really is a star. And boxing never really appreciated how much he had crossed over, particularly in the social media age, where he's become a byword for getting out the game the right way with all your money, all your faculties, you know, unlike others who have done it. But when you see a picture of those icons, Madonna, one of the greatest artists of all time, Kanye West, one of the greatest artists of all time, Antonio Brown, I'm not an American football expert, but he's generally considered one of the best uh, receivers of his generation. And there's Floyd, the best boxer of his generation. We haven't seen that since Mike Tyson and Tupac. And before that, we hadn't seen that since that Muhammad Ali with Malcolm and Gaza, Harry Belafonte and so forth. We, these, are, these are generational moments. And I think we should just take a moment to appreciate that in Floyd Mayweather, we have a guy that keeps that flame of boxing burning brightly, more so than anyone else. I'll go so far as to say that's going to be the biggest moment of 2022 in terms of boxing being seen beyond the bubble that is, you know, boxing Twitter and so forth. However, that's not why you're here. That is 100% not why you're here because you've just, you know, you've seen the title already and that was like a little segue. What you're here to hear, what you're here to hear, here to hear to hear, what you've come for is a discussion about what Ben Davidson said in the Five Live Boxing podcast. Yeah, do I, I stopped listening to that a while ago. But I thought it was interesting. Number one, it's a desperate ploy to, you know, to draw in listeners because you, you're now looking for the purposely provocative people and topics, right? So they get Ben Davidson on, and I've heard bits of it, but I'll just summarize. Ben Davidson's view is this. Don't be mad at me. Yeah? 
The reason I am where I am is because you guys are lazy. And if you were able to outwork me, you would have what I have. But if I'm being honest with you guys, you cannot outwork me. It's not possible that you guys can outwork me. Therefore, don't even try. Just acknowledge that I am better than you. I am the best trainer in this country. That's why I have the best fighters in this country. I'm paraphrasing and I'm summarizing, but that's generally the gist of what got people's backs up, both on social media and in the sports itself. And it poses a really good question. Okay. What is a good trainer? And almost by consequence, who is a good trainer? What, what does it take? And based on all of that, is Ben Davidson a good trainer? And is he in a position to say what he's saying? And the answer is not simple, right? It's not simple because you've got to really, you've got to really unpick what boxing is, right? A lot of boxing is subjective because there are, you know, not every fight ends in a knockout, right? So it's subjective. You know, both in the ring and out the ring is subjective. Who's, who's your favorite boxer? Subjective. You know, I've had conversations with people who tell me they don't like Muhammad Ali as a person and all this sort of stuff. So they don't really watch him as a boxer. I'm like, what? And there are people who don't like Lennox. You know, there are people who don't like James DeGale. There are people who don't like, I don't know, people even like Josh Taylor. So what you realize is boxing is, it's just opinions, right? And really none of our opinions matter. Right, all that matters is what happens in the ring. Bottom line, and into that comes the discussion around trainers because you're very rarely comparing like with like, because it's not like everyone gets a genetically identical sample of human beings to train, and then we see where they end up. An analogy would be putting everyone on that F1 grid in a Ferrari, I don't know, Ferrari F88 or in a Lamborghini Murcielago and say, right, guys, 50 laps around the track. Let's see who the fastest man is. That's the only way you'd find out. So when I look at the discussion Ben's having and I go, where's, where's the anti-Ben Davidson thing coming? Because what's clear is there's an anti-Ben Davidson energy that he's picked up on. And so he's had to go into the media to defend himself. Quite rightly, he's his own business. He can't have people chipping away at his brand value. So there can only be three things driving the anti-Ben Davison sentiment. One, he's not very good. Two, he doesn't deserve the spot he's been put in. Three, just don't like the guy. Don't like how he looks. Don't like how he smells. Don't like how long his beard is. Don't like that he sticks his hair back. Don't like that his wife's good looking. I don't like the fact that he can take good holidays. Whatever it is that's triggering you. You're just there going, I don't like this guy. They're the only three acceptable reasons you can have, right? And so I can only talk about two of them. The third one, that's on you as a person. I mean, you decide how you want to relate to the guy. But the first two we can have a reasonable discussion about. But before we jump in, we need to just almost have the, the context, right? So Ben Davidson's what, in his late 20s, 28, 29. And that's the time when most boxers are peaking, you know, he's, he's of that age where he could be boxing, like he could be mixing it up with people. So this has all come very early for him. He's had the Tyson Fury situation, right? And he had that at what age? 27? I can't remember. Now he's got the Josh Taylor and he's got um, Lee Wood and he's got 
is it Brad Rear? He's got a load of guys he's been given. All talented guys. He might have Lee McGregor, if I remember properly. He's got a load of guys in his gym now. Chris Congo. Um, some young guys like Jamie Shakiva as well. He's got a, 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 a stable of talent that a 28-year-old doesn't normally get. Like We haven't seen this since Shane McGuigan, who we'll come on to later on, but you don't normally get this at 28, right? Because general wisdom is you go with experience, right? That's what you go with. And so Ben's been able to disrupt that. What he's been able to do is turn this all on his head and say, give it to the young hungry guy over the old and complacent guy. Maybe that youth and hunger, that desire to prove himself will mean that he works harder than everyone. You know, all this stuff is layered into it, but he's had a lot presented to him at an early age. And you can look at the whys. Does he know where the bodies are buried? Does he know all the secrets? Is he in this position in order to keep him quiet? Is the MTK's performance center hush money? Or is it a reward that said, mate, you did so well with Fury, we trust you with everyone else? I don't think we'll get to the answer. Well, we probably will, but it will never be made public. But the reality is he's in that position. Okay, that reality is reality. Ben Davison is in that position. He gets to work with supremely talented people on a daily basis. So now let's really break it down and go, okay, what, what on earth does all of this mean? So can you assess Ben Davison as a, as a good trainer? For number one, you've got to define what a good trainer is. And everyone's going to have a different way of looking at it. I start with a very basic question. Do I believe that person, male or female, is able to extract at least 100% of that fighter's potential? Because you may get them to overachieve. You may get them to underachieve. So 100% is kind of where we expect you to land. Okay? So if you take Anthony Joshua... You expected Joshua to win a world title even before he'd gone to the Olympics. You know, they'll find a way to get him a world title. And they found a way to get him a world title. What subsequently happened is when he's had to step up to that kind of top level, it hasn't been so easy. So the question goes, have you extracted 100% of Joshua's potential? The, the fact that we're looking at a post-McCracken Joshua will suggest McCracken wasn't able to do that. Okay? So my test is, you were able to extract at least 100% of that boxer's potential. And I, I'd hold anyone to that standard. That's why, like I said, I respect anyone that takes kids off the street and makes them champions. So much can go wrong from the first day a kid walks into a boxing gym until the last day they walk into a boxing gym. That journey can be 30 years, that journey can be a year, that journey can be a week. Good trainers make that journey as long as possible and as rewarding as possible. What they also do is give you the ideal education that brings out the maximum of your potential. That education piece is important, really important, because that's when you get the tools that you're going to need to survive in the sport. Not many people are capable of that. That's why, and I've said it before, most of the best trainers in this country are amateur. 
Yeah. I think if you took the top 10 amateur trainers and the top 10 pro trainers, however you wanted to vote for them, and gave them 13-year-old kids to train in a tournament and they had to go head-to-head, the amateur guys would win that comfortably. More skill, diverse range of skills, just the the interpersonal habits because you work with so many different people. It's advantageous. So, so my test is that, can you extract the maximum out of someone? Because when you're looking at a trainer, would I want my son being trained by that guy? Or would I want my daughter to be trained by that guy? All of these things are really important. And by that test, Ben Davis is in the unproven category. And here's why. We've seen what he's done with Fury, Billy Joe, Josh Taylor, right? Even Lee Wood. But how many trainers has Fury had? Six, seven, eight, nine? No idea. He's had, he's had a few trainers. A lot of people have put into Tyson Fury. So when Ben got him, he was pretty complete as a fighter. Billy Joe, pretty complete as a fighter when Ben got him. Josh Taylor, definitely complete as a fighter when Ben got him. So what are you doing in, the, in that role? You're just like, let me not sink the ship. Do you see what I mean? It's just, let me not sink this ship. So there's not much more you have to do apart from some pre-fight analysis and then planning and managing a training camp. Anyone can do that. Most of you listening right now could do that. Now, Ben's got the challenge with someone like a Jamie Shakiva of a kid who's talented, unquestioningly talented, but probably hasn't fulfilled his potential, didn't fulfill his potential as an amateur. And I've said this to him. He's one of my favorite guys to watch because he's got a lot of old school tendencies. But he reached a plateau in about 2017, 2018, and he didn't really kick on from there because his style was so effective at that point that once he didn't have to fight his nemeses, and all a couple of them, then he was all good. And I, I challenge him regularly to to evolve his style and to become even more deadly because his chin's pretty unbreakable and he is pretty savage. So I'm going to judge Ben Davison on how Jamie does. If he makes Jamie a world champion, Ben Davison might be one of the great trainers of our time. And you'll have to just park all those discussions. If he doesn't, then we need to understand where do you see Jamie fitting in, in the global heavyweight picture. I'll also judge him on what I see with Chris Congo. And I'm going to say, how far can you take Congo away from the guy that fought McKinson to wherever he ends up? I think they're fair tests. Judging him based on Josh Taylor, Tyson Fury, Billy Joe, those guys would have done whatever they did without him. He wasn't needed in that sense. But for Chris Congo and Jamie Shakiva, he's definitely needed. There's definitely room for growth in both of those guys. So by my test... I'm still like he's unproven. But I think he's talented, by the way. And I think he's saying all the right things. And he's saying all the things that a 28-year-old should be saying. And, you know, it feels a bit like the Molly May situation, doesn't it? You see, when you're young and hard-charging and thrusting and wanting to make a difference in the world and wanting to be great tomorrow, you're going to upset a lot of people. Right, But you're young and you're not that experienced. Like Molly May, she, she said what she felt in the moment without really thinking about the consequences of what she was saying. 
give her 10 years and ask her to revisit that and say, what do you think about this? She'll regret saying that or she'll say, I could have put it better. Ben Davis has got that energy at the moment. A lot of stuff he's doing is cool, but he'll go back in 10 years and be like, yeah, what did I know back then? And that's cool. That's growth and that's evolution, that's development. That's what we love to see. But let's move to how other people might want to interpret whether Ben Davison's any good. And that's going to be any number of dimensions, right? You might compare him to his peers. And one of the, I don't know, one of the interesting things about boxing fans is we look at things differently today than we will do tomorrow. So five years from now, ten years from now, when the, when the new breed of boxing Twitterati take over, they'll just look back on Ben Davison's achievements. Look, look at all the stuff he won when he was really young to validate his argument. And then we will remind them, hey, when we were there at the time, people were still criticizing him. And they'll go, what? How could you do that? So people will look at the, the trophies and the trinkets he's won and say, actually, this guy, he's a hell of a trainer. And it's like, well, yeah, he, he hasn't sunk the ship. So he's competent right now. Like I said, if you're an honest boxing person, at this point, you're like, we want to see what he creates. Good trainers create good fighters. And they, and they create good legacies, right? And I'm going to use two examples to illustrate my point. Brendan Ingle in the UK is a prime example. Not every Ingle fighter boxed in an identical way. Whatever people try and tell you about this Ingle style, there is no Ingle style, right? And I'm saying this from on-the-ground experience. There is an Ingle philosophy, right? There is an Ingle philosophy which is do not get bashed about the head, right? That's it. Do not get bashed about the head. Now, however you choose to do that, is up to you, as long as you can make it work. And it's also, do not be predictable in your attacks. So, is there an Ingle style? No. But are there features common to Ingle fighters? Yes, timing is impeccable. Ability to move head is impeccable. Footwork is unbelievable. Even though it all looks different. You can get the footwork of Princeton Seam Hammond or the footwork of Kelbrook and Kid Galahad which is a bit more measured, but it's the same idea. We ain't going to be hitting the head. But you never talk about Ingle fighters being insane power punches or working on power or strength and conditioning or anything like that. It was always about mental and physical relaxation. Can you make good decisions in the ring? Can you, can you compress everything down to your small brain to the point where you're not thinking about the transactional element of the fight. You're thinking about the strategic element of the fight. They're, they're, those, those Ingle ideas are really powerful. And they've kind of traveled around the country to varying degrees of success. You know, you see guys like Glenn Rose, Caldwell's got some of it. Chris Medley's got some of it. Uh, John Fuchs has got some of it. Those Ingle ideas have transferred... The guy that seems to be showing the best interpretation of the Ingle idea is Richard Towers at the moment. But Richard goes into it. If you talk to Richard about the Ingle style, Rich goes into it. Like, he really, like... And he, Rich is quite spiritual like that, where he'll embrace the philosophy of it and then try and understand what we're we trying to create here. And I think in what Rich is doing, that's where he's at. 
You'll see elements of it with Cash Alley, but it'll be the kids that Rich is working on now that will have people going, oh, that's what Terry was talking about. Because I'm, I'm excited about what he's doing above all else. Ryan Rhodes has got bits of it. And you'd think stylistically, because of how Ryan boxed, he'd be the, the poster child for it. But he's actually a bit more conservative in how he trains. So that's what I'm trying to say in terms of people jump on this idea that there's an Ingle style. There isn't. There's an Ingle philosophy because the philosophy will live on. Yeah. And you can listen to this and go, I'm going to go and understand that Ingle philosophy, extrapolate it, and then make it my own. Cool. Do it. Now, if we fly across the Atlantic to Detroit, we go and see Emmanuel Stewart and the Cronk Gym. Almost a mirror of what Brendan did but with different philosophies. And it was, you know, keep everything loose and long and move around and, you know, be intelligent in that ring. But it was about punching hard. The Kronk was about punching hard and, you know, un unlocking your mechanics in order for you to punch hard. If you were a guy with short arms, then, you know, like a Gerald McClellan, shorter arms than average, you might have to dig it in. If you're a guy like Tommy Hearns with longer arms than average, different leverage. But it was about letting the leverage do the work. Nothing overly complicated, but your fundamentals were so good, you were hard to beat. All these guys like from Kenty all the way through to Lennox and Vladimir, you know, that the the Kronk, you know what I mean? There's a reason why people are drawn to it, a reason why Tyson Fury was drawn to Sugar Hill. And what Sugar Hill is, is a custodian of the philosophy. His fighters don't box like Tommy Hearns. He hasn't got Tommy Hearns, but he can take that philosophy and apply it to an elite fighter like Tyson Fury and get the results that he did. These are greats. This is what being a great trainer is. And that's why we look to these guys as reference points. And there are other guys like that. Ishmael Salas might be one. Rubio might be one. Papalomachenko is in that territory as well. Uh, there, there are a load of guys like that. Nacho Beristan is one of them. The Reynosos are becoming like that. Where they're custodians of these philosophies that we're trying to tap into. Ronnie Shields, another one. Custodians of philosophies we are trying to tap into. You know, and when we reflect on this, we look at the, what we can now call the, the technical high point of them all, the Mayweather star, which is an amalgamation of the classic kind of Great Lakes style, you know, the kind of Ohio, Michigan style, with other elements that Floyd Sr. had incorporated on his travels. So some of the Southern styles and some of the Philly style, you know, and it's all kind of amalgamated and found his ideal disciple in Floyd. And now it's about disseminating that philosophy downwards. You know, Tunde Jai has taken that philosophy, made it his own with System 9. These are all good trainers, by the way. Now, Ben's not at that level. Not because he's not good enough, he hasn't had time. And I'll explain what I mean by that. When you hear Ben talk and people say, oh my God, he speaks so well about boxing, he's so intelligent. What you're hearing is an analyst talking, right? And what's an analyst? An analyst is someone who goes and gets all the available information and synthesizes it into a range of insights, okay? 
based on what I have seen and what I have heard, here's what I think right now. And that's cool for sounding clever in front of your people. But when your fighters are looking to you for leadership, you now have to be able to say, okay, how are you going to win tomorrow? What is the sustainable model of success we can develop for you in this camp? You know, as part of this stable of fighters, what is your sustainable model of success, which will become your boxing philosophy over time? Now, what happens with a boxing philosophy is it starts off as a, almost like a prototype. Here's what I think a great boxer is. And you start going down that path and you realize stuff doesn't work. You know, maybe it's making my guys sprint. It's not having the effect I wanted it to have. Making my guys lift heavy weights, not having the effect. Or then you might find out actually, do you know what? Having my guys improve their grip strength is doing wonders for their punch power. But what you do is you go through this period of trial and error. And you refine and you keep refining and you keep refining until you find something that works far more often than it doesn't. And that's what experience is in boxing training. It's not what you know. Knowledge is a commodity. Yeah? Anyone can get knowledge. It's the understanding of what doesn't work and why. That ability to pare down this massive thing that is boxing technique and fundamentals and pare it down to what you believe will work at the top level of the sport. That's what Brendan Ingle was great at. That's what Emmanuel Stewart was great at. That's what Floyd Sr. was great at. It's what Nacho was great at. It's what all of these great trainers are good at. Is understanding what doesn't work through experience and eliminating it. Ben's not at that point yet. Because he hasn't been down that path for long enough yet. But one day he will. And there'll be a Ben Davison philosophy. And we'll all listen and we'll all go, oh God, I hope that works. And then the young trainers will look to Ben Davison and say, you inspired me. But he's not there yet. So we shouldn't be putting microphones in his face as if he's arrived. He hasn't. One day he'll be that guy. You know? But he hasn't taken the lumps. Like, remember when Adam Booth had, he, he had David. And the thing with David was David punched people so hard that he made bad trainers look good. Okay? You, he, he could mask a lot of flaws with a couple of knockouts. So people were going to Adam Booth like he was this magician. And meanwhile, he wasn't telling people David was training with Ishmael Salas and Adam was taking notes for a large chunk of David's early career because Adam realized he was in over his head. And then once Adam kind of got comfortable and was able to synthesize all the knowledge he had into a system that worked, you start to see that with George, Latterly, Ryan Burnett, Josh Kelly and so forth. And now, you know, with Shannon Courtney. And is it a great style? Seemingly not, because it's not repeatable. But remember back then, people talked about Adam as being this great boxing mind, when all he was being was an analyst in public. We can all be an analyst. The problem is, when you're doing a 12-round fight, you're making real-time decisions. You do real-time analysis and making real-time decisions. You don't have three years to figure these things out. You don't have three years to tell me what my habits were and, you know, what my cat's called and, you know, what color shoelaces I like. You don't have that kind of time. You have to be able to make those calls in the moment. And that ability takes time. 
What's amazing about watching boxing with what I call old timers, so anyone over like 55, is they see stuff that you're not even looking at. Because they can process the, the basic transactional part of a fight to the point where they're just focusing on, on the 1% or 2% where the differences really are. And there's nothing like being in a corner with an experienced old head. I remember when I was an amateur coach, we had a guy, Pat Harris, and he just whispered something. He'd go, look, look what that guy's doing. Yeah, look what he's trying to do there. And you wouldn't have even noticed it. And you'd be like, yeah, he's done it for, for a round and a half now. You're like, oh, okay. And then you can come up with a solution for that. But it's being able to get that eye, being able to see, you know, you can't, and you can't manufacture experience. You really, really can't. So I'm not going to throw Ben under the bus. And I'm going to say Ben is in the unproven box until he does something with these guys that he's got from debut. And then we can start to say, okay, what is the philosophy? But until then, he's doing a good job as a caretaker of very, very talented fighters. Now we need to see what he can develop under his own banner. Because we have short memories in this country, right? We, we forget like guys who were true mavericks and revolutionaries and guys who, who really booted the chessboard up in the air. Enzo Calzaghi being a prime example. Um, who was the other guy? Man, He trained people out of Islington. The, the, the older heads were, is a Colin Lake. Colin Lake used to produce amazing fighters as well. You know, let's not forget that. So the, the, there are people who do this. And then when I look at the, the guys coming through now and I go, take someone like Eddie Lamb. If Eddie Lamb was a media whore, if Eddie Lamb really wanted to prostrate himself in front of guys like Coogan and all the others, he could probably have his own stable, his own gym, and he'd, he'd be that guy. But Eddie's one of the best trainers I know. Eddie's one of the smartest people I know when it comes to boxing. Eddie's one of the most humble people I know when it comes to boxing. And because of those attributes that Eddie's got, people will go above and beyond for him. It's weird. You, you see Ben Davison? It's all about, you know, I, I will make fighters better, this, that, and the third. You talk to Eddie, Eddie would just go, I just want them to be happy. I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy boxing. And I want them to keep learning. And when you've got that sort of environment, you end up going, I want to give him more. So Eddie's then able to get more out of you than maybe someone else could. And I only talk about Ed because I kind of, I know Ed better than I know most people. I'd say the same about Adam Martin as well. He's, he's getting into that lane of, I'll create the environment for success. It doesn't have to be about me. It has to be about the environment. And hopefully the fighter will want to be better himself, right? They're, they're guys and they're ex-Lodge guys, so I'm reasonably close enough to them to, to speak to that. Because yeah, I've seen that. Shane, someone similar. Create the right environment, the right results will happen. You know? And let's not forget the, the rubbish that Ben's getting now, Shane used to get. Ah, oh, who, who's this guy? He's just here because his dad's Barry McGuigan. What? He went to what? Millfield? What? Where's Millfield? He didn't even go to school in London. Oh, just a PE teacher. People forget Shane McGuigan boxed in the finals of, I think it was the Ulsters he boxed in the final of. Shane McGuigan was a decent amateur. Well experienced. He, he had done his time in the gyms. And you remember when you're a McGuigan, you're getting an extra 20% in those beatings. 
Shane went to hell and back as an amateur, man. He, on his way up, he did. So when he got his spot, people should have congratulated him. Instead, they criticized him. And so I'll always feel that he never got the kudos and the respect he deserves, and he struggles for it now because of that. But paradoxically, Mark Tibbs could walk into boxing and no one batted an eyelid. You've never heard anyone say to Mark Tibbs, you only got here because of your old man. Yeah? Never. Shane gets that criticism. No one in the boxing Twitterverse ever says to Mark Tibbs, you're only here because of your old man. No one ever looks at his record critically. Like, mate, what happened here? You lost control of the corner against Billy Joe. And that's not to say Mark's a bad guy. Mark's a good guy. We're just not consistent. And I wonder if it's down to the fact that Jimmy's part of the old boys club. You disrespect Mark Tibbs, you disrespect Jimmy Tibbs, and no one wants to do that because Jimmy's one of the old guys, like with Ed Muscat and all those guys. You know, they all sit there like the OGs that they are. So Mark can come in. And it's this really strange thing we have in society. Think about this. And I think most people listening to this will know someone that either has their own car dealership, scaffold firm, owns a chain of shops, maybe owns a pub, whatever, right? And you know they want their son to take over when they're done. Yeah? I've got mates whose dads own scaffold firms and the kids went and started running the scaffold firm. We have no problem with that in our society. That nepotism is cool. Working class nepotism is okay because we're just looking out for each other. When companies start putting their kids in executive positions, like when Rupert Murdoch put James Murdoch in charge, people complain and go, ah, oh, what? That's not fair. Well, what? He's just got the job because he's so-and-so's son. So there's a real culture of envy that plays because if your mate puts his son in charge of the scaffold firm, well done, mate. Go on, go on, lad. Go and do your thing. When Shane McGuigan follows in his father's footsteps into the boxing industry, when Eddie Hearn follows into his father's footsteps into the boxing industry, machine gunfire. When Mark Tibbs follows his old man into the boxing industry, welcome home, son. Welcome. Welcome back into the firm. The lack of logic tells you it's a culture of envy. They didn't like Shane because they were envious. They don't like Ben Davison because they're envious. He's not one of them. He didn't come up the way they came up. And because of that, they can't understand how he's got to where he has. It's envy. I'm not saying Ben's proved himself. What I'm saying is they don't throw the same energy at everyone equally. Dom Ingle didn't get the same energy. It was all right for him to take over his old man's business. And I'm not, like I said, I have no issue with that. When Billy Rumble takes over from Charlie Sr., I'll say kudos to you, mate. Carry on the legacy. Take it to another level. Because that's the right thing to do. We build things for our kids to take over. And I wish people had offered Shane the same, the same kind of cover fire, the same protection that they'd offered Mark Tibbs. As for Ben, he hasn't got that cover fire, so he's getting exposed. But it's the same culture of envy, that whole thing of you don't belong here. The reality is he does belong. And... Unless something goes horribly wrong in this guy's career, he's going to be around for a few years. That will be the right time to judge whether 
you know, the Ben Davidson experiment was worth it or not. Just realised I've probably gone well over my lot of time. But that's what I wanted to say about the, the boxing thing, the trainers. And shouts out to all the guys doing it out there who don't get the credit they deserve. Guys like Carl Greaves, you know, Ted Bammy. Whatever people want to say about Ted as a manager. Ted, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Tony Sese, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Tunde Ajayi, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Chris Medley, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Joe Gallagher, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Enzo Calzaghi, legacy as a trainer, beyond question. Tony Borg, beyond question. All beyond question. Now, the new guys coming through. Kev Thorninley, mate, expect big things from him. Billy Rumble, expect big things from him. Bobby Milley, expect big things from him. All these young guys coming through, Donald Smith, I expect massive things from because of how close I am to him. All these young trainers now coming through, but they're doing it the right way. They're just grafting in the shadows, learning, tapping into knowledge here, there and everywhere and trying to be progressive, trying to move the sport forward. Because here's something I will tell you that you don't get to see up close and personal. Boxing training is in the dark ages. I'm saving that for another episode another time, but it's definitely in the dark ages. And honestly, half you guys listening to this could go into boxing and probably train a champion. That's how backward it is right now. And so many people are resistant to change, you'd almost walk in unchallenged. And on that note, I will sign out because I've gone massively over my, my time schedule. But as I said, look, if you enjoy this, please retweet like share you know don't keep me secret forever um it's not that embarrassing to listen to me don't don't worry at all you'll be surprised you might you might even bump into friends of yours who also listen but haven't told you and on that note i will sign out and say listen have a great day enjoy you know keep the good fight going and let's just share this content and let's let's aim for more growth this year you take care guys and bye